When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, IDP Army. Ever think about making your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make some money with your podcast, too, with no minimum listenership. It's got everything that you need to make a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for, IDP Army? Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started today. What is up, IDP Army? It's your man, Jordan Reigns, back again with another episode of the IDP Army podcast. I hope to find you all well today. We have made it through the NFL draft, and it is Monday, May 3rd, so you're probably kicking off your rookie drafts. Today, I have a special guest with me today, a guy I really respect, a guy who he's in the trenches, he's playing in leagues just like us, he's making money just like us, he's making decisions just like us, and he's here to help us out with some of these rookie running backs, as well as just running backs in general. So give him a a, a big welcome here, IDP Army. I got my man Michael Liu with me today. How you doing, Mike? What up, man? I'm good. It's good to hop on live with you. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, you know, we've we've gone back and forth, you know, on Twitter. Good stuff, bad stuff, fun stuff, all the good shit uh, quite a few times. So it's always cool to hop on uh, live and chop, chop it up live with people. If I'm uh, <clears throat> apologize to your viewers in advance, if uh, if my energy is a little bit lower today, I'm, I'm running on not not too much sleep uh, after grinding it out last night trying to get these new rankings out to folks but uh i'm, I'm excited to be here i'm excited to be here i'm excited to talk football it's always yeah. a good time and uh let's get this get this shit on the road yes sir we're happy to have you with us like i said guys we are going to be talking running backs today if you've been paying attention to the last few series we've been doing we've been going by positions kind of talking rankings kind of talking some strategy stuff some values and all that we hit the meat of it right now and we really hit it on the day that it really matters most <clears throat> so we're talking rookie running backs and let's just go ahead and get right to it so we have Najee harris we have travis etm we have javante williams coming into this week this last week that was essentially one, two, and three consensus. Was that your one, two, and three? Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. So now that things have happened, is there been any change at all in these top three for you? Uh, not, not like relative to each other. I'd say that you know there's been some changes in terms of how I value them relative to other players, like veterans and and maybe potentially other rookies. But in terms, if you're just looking at positional, it's it's one, two, three. Uh, because I mean, those are the three good players, and they went in and got the draft capital that we needed them to get and so you know there's really nothing nothing more to it than that 
Yeah. So, all right, Travis, or let's go Najee Harris. Okay. He lands on the Steelers. They have an awesome, um, what do you want to call it? Reputation for having a workhorse back, a bell cow back. It's one of the backfields where we can bank on that more often than not, that if the guy's healthy, he's going to get all the touches. That's premium. We get Najee Harris. Most people's consensus won there. Where should he be taken in rookie drafts? Let's just set the table. Let's call it super flex. Let's call it tight end premium. Uh, what what pick should he be going in your mind, just at, uh, in a vacuum? I think uh, in that, for me personally, I would say like in that, you know, 1.0, call it 1.03 to 1.05 range. It just, it just really depends on what you need. I think 1.01 is probably Trevor Lawrence, right? Uh, even though there's, it seems to be some people drawing back. I think we just get, people just get tired of the same things. They just change to change. But for me, I think Trevor Lawrence is still 1.01. Uh, and then I think Trey Lance uh, is 1.02. Trey Lance or Justin Fields can both make both have that case. I think they're very close. Uh, and then you know, I have Jamar Chase, who I think is still uh, I would have ahead of Najee, just even even though like with the landing spot and everything, I think Jamar Chase just has a bulletproof type of profile. Shout out to uh, DFB encounter there. And then also, he just you know, landed in a good spot, it's gonna be a high passing volume, reunited with his college quarterback. Um, extremely high draft capital. And then after that, you know, it's between Najee and like Kyle Pitts. And depending on how heavy the tight end premium scoring is, I could make a case for Kyle Pitts as well if it's like a 2X. Uh, but if not, I think you, you kind of got to lean Najee because like you said, the volume is just going to be there. All right, top five. We know we can count on the volume with Pittsburgh. Now I know that the trendy thing to do this last week was to immediately dunk on the, uh, the Steelers O-line. Um, mm. Do you have it? I mean, like I don't, have any real concerns i mean look saquon ran behind a crappy o-line and he was fine i mean it's it's a volume game and when you can get the volume everything else is noise in my mind so do you have any concerns with this kind of this o-line being an issue narrative for Najee harris or is that literally just a non-factor for you well first of all i don't i don't think he's saquon so there's only one of those uh so i wouldn't really go there but I, what i will say is I've never thought that the Steelers was like this dream landing spot. I thought it was a good landing spot. I thought they'd get decent volume. You know, it'd be like an okay offense. Um, but, you know, offensive line matters, uh, obviously. I, I think, you know, I, I subscribe to more so to the running backs don't matter, except not that extreme. I think running backs do matter. They just matter less than some of the other positions. Uh, but I absolutely do believe that offensive line does have an impact. I mean, we saw – uh, a good, good example of this, I think, is we look back to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, right? And, and you see a lot of people taking victory laps, being like, "Aha, see, like you can't, you can't value situation, you can't value that. You got to look at talent, blah blah blah." But really, I think what, how we missed there was not that we missed on, you know, the talent. It's that we missed on what we thought the situation would be. We thought the situation would be an incredibly high-scoring ground offense with like a decent offensive line. But going into last season. I think even early on, I said, look, I don't think the Chiefs are the top landing spot. I think the Colts are the best landing spot because the offensive line and the Chiefs is pretty decimated. And I think you have a similar type of story here with the Steelers now, you know, but you only like value that to a certain degree, right? Like you said, like at the end of the day, you want volume. Volume is king. So if Najee gets 250, 280 touches and, you know, gets like, you know, 50, 60 targets, that's a running back one. That doesn't really matter, you know, at that point, like what what the what the o-line is and they did make some improvements to o-line but i think for me it's like it's a it's a good spot on volume 
it's a negative on o-line so it turns out to be like a neutral to slightly positive right but the key is that they drafted him in the first round i think that is the that is a, the thing because that's what's going to lead to the volume and the opportunity uh for Najee. so i don't i'm not bumping him down but i'm not like holy crap this is like the godfather landing spot of, of like of all time you know i thought I personally think like Miami could have been a better spot for him and just, or just equally good um, where he would have a same three down workhorse role, but I think they have a better offensive line and potentially a better offense. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, there, but I just, you know, that that's me. Like I, I think offense line definitely matters, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter more than volume. Yeah. And, you know, referencing Clyde Edwards earlier, what do you get? 210 combined touches last year. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I feel like that's going to be, that would be a bad turnout for what I expect for Najee. Yeah, like, yeah. That, I mean, he, he got hurt too. He got yeah, hurt too, so, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, he did. He's hurt. He started off thirteen games. Um, but Clyde Edwards-Helaire, that's that's a whole other bag of worms. I think he's a good bounce back candidate. But any final comments on Najee? Let's say if he where if he where is he where is it negligible for him to fall in drafts? Okay, so. And where is it negligible for him to take him? So I saw him go today at 101 in a super flex. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, that's negligence. Um, but at the same time, that was what that guy did. So I'm kind of wondering, what are your thoughts? Like, what's too high and then what's too low for him? Yeah, I mean, I, I was in a draft. Um, I think uh, someone took Najee 1.01. He tried to trade back with me. I was at the 1.03. Uh, and I, I didn't trade because like I, I knew he wanted the running back. He didn't want to go Trevor Lawrence. Um, but I don't think it's like, he's a really good manager. Like he's one of the best managers I played against. So I'm not going to say it's negligent. You know, some people, you know, he's got stud quarterbacks and, and he just wanted another running back and we have like an empire pot thing. So you really want to stack those wins like back to back when you can. Uh, so there, there are situations, right? I think, you know, Najee's going to probably go in like the second round of startup drafts. Um, and Trevor Lawrence is going to be in the first. Does that mean that, you know, it's, it's a, negligent move i don't think so i mean you, you could make a case depending on your team for a lot of these guys like i, I just I, I think you can't make a case for like you know as much as i love him jamar chase because he's a wide receiver uh but you could you could potentially make a case if someone wants to take that high risk maneuver uh you can take him but i got him at 1.08 which i thought was a steal uh, so, so i got him in a 1.08 i traded back from the 1.05 in a 14 team tight end premium two times uh two ppr tight end premium uh 0.25 points per carry uh which is actually you know beneficial to workhorse running backs obviously um but like i got him at 1.08 i traded back from 1.05 to 1.08 and I, I landed him there because people took i think Etienne and and uh, zach wilson ahead uh, which is understandable because the 14 team, so it's a little bit different. But, yeah, you, you know, got to be whenever you got whenever you're in a bigger league like that. I have noticed too; it is much more take your guys um, yeah. in a couple of 14, 16 team leagues, and you know ADP is kind of out the window, you know, quickly yeah. because everybody's team has very specific needs because you do have kind of a depleted roster. So yeah. it does make and it is more of a get your guys kind of thing because there's everybody's rosters are thinner. It's a little bit tougher sometimes to move things around, I, I found. So okay, let's segue into Travis Etienne. Okay. He lands with the Jaguars. He lands with you know his old quarterback from Clemson. We got Urban Meyer. Everything's different for the Jaguars narratively, player wise, schematically. So what are you expecting from him this year? Um you know, kind of carry wise, touch wise compared to like James Robinson. How do you see that playing out? And then same similar question to what I asked about Harris. Uh, where are you uh, looking to take him in, you know, super flex tight end premium leagues? Uh, what was your kind of target zone area? Yeah, I mean, I think Travis Etienne, I, I, same type of story where I feel like it's neutral because, you know, he got the first round draft capital, which is great. 
I don't think the landing spot is as good as people think because the more I the more I hear and see from Urban Meyer, the the more I feel like it's going to be a shit show. It's going to be one of those like college coaches coming in and just running it into the ground and maybe having like a nice a nice spicy start. You know, maybe they go like three and one or something and then they don't win another game because. I don't. I'm not sure that front office or Urban Meyer really knows what they're doing. If you look across the league, I really liked what happened with a lot of the young guys, right? Like Zach Wilson and the Jets. What do they do? They draft the O line. They draft the wide receivers. They built around their young young talent, right? And then you look at Tua. What do they do? They added a deep threat because they had no deep game. They have Will Fuller and they have Jalen Waddle now, right? And they added more O line, right? And then you look at, you know, uh, like Trey Lance again, just adding O line. Like right? these people, the, all these teams are adding pieces to build either protect or elevate their young quarterback and the Jaguars go out and you know they have three picks in the top 40 and you're obviously not going to mess up 1.01 and they mess up the other two by taking a running back and like a DB and it's just like and then they they they, they, how many DBs they draft they drafted a bunch right they draft like two or three yeah um and like when I look at that team it's like is that offense like an offense that doesn't need more talent no like when you draft to Travis Etienne, like there was other talented wide receivers on the board. So I feel less confident about that offense. I think people are expecting Urban Meyer to come in and bring this bottom three offense into like, you know, the top, top 10 and it's not happening. I think they're going to be another bottom 10 offense. So what you're going to get is Travis Etienne on a running back on a bottom 10 offense who doesn't really profile as a workhorse. I, I like the player a lot. Uh, he profile to me, he profiled as more of like a, a committee back and i really wanted to see him land in like a san francisco or like a high a higher scoring offense uh, where he could like lead a committee there uh, but now you get him don't get me wrong he's gonna lead a committee like i don't think he's gonna be a third down back you don't you don't draft a third down back in, in the first round uh so that's that's pretty bogus but i do think he's gonna be part of a committee and, and it kills rick james robinson's value but james robinson's also gonna i think eat into his value a little bit and then you also have lavisca chanel there who's a hybrid who's gonna be running out of the backfield as well so there's just I don't I don't really know what this offense is gonna look like and I don't really have much faith in Urban Meyer. So, you know, for me, it's like I don't really love the landing spot, but like he got first round draft capital and I like the talent. So it's like I'm not gonna fade him because of it. Fair. <clears throat> yeah, and you're definitely on to something with the Urban Meyer. I mean, just we have so much history of the Jags organization just being, like you said, a shit show. Mm-hmm. Um the only reason that nobody really calls them out on it at this point is because Houston, the other, you know, the other biggest shit show in the NFL really yeah. is in the same division. But yeah, I mean, they went from AFC championship game to literally like you said, I mean, number one overall pick urban yeah. Meyer. So, and that's just in the span of what, I mean, not even a thousand days, you know, yeah. so that that's, that's quite a feat for a team to do. So ETN, like you said, in the first round, when you hit on James Robinson as an undrafted free agent, he, you know, to use a pick on ETN, just, yeah, it's kind of folly. Um, unfortunately, we do like the skill set, though. We love, you know, last year coming out, he was going to be a top back. This year coming out, he's going to be a top back. And the one thing that I always try to remember about the NFL, and it's just so true, is nothing is set in stone. You know, I mean, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, two of the guys you'd call pillars of the NFL, this year have been in serious trade, you know, move situations. Deshaun Watson, we don't know what's going to happen. So, this is the the one thing that I like when I that's why I usually defer go with the talent you know what I mean like ETN maybe he doesn't pan out the first couple of weeks but what happens when James Robinson rolls his ankle and then he gets you know 90% snap share or something like that so this can change quickly yeah and I, I agree with you I don't want to fade him too much but there is a little hesitancy there with that offense that I don't really know what its true identity is yet I don't know if they know what it is either so yeah 
for sure. All right. Third guy, another situational, you know, ambiguity. Uh, Javante Williams ends up in Denver where we have Melvin Gordon, who is one of my favorite players in the NFL. He's one of my favorite fantasy players. I just there's a few players that I'd like just in love with. Melvin Gordon's one. Kirk Cousins is one. There's just mm-hmm. guys that I just like um, Melvin Gordon. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, he's a great Twitter follow. He's hilarious. Yeah, but, he's um, funny. Yeah, he, he's he's he just he's just a real guy. Um, <clears throat> but he gets Javante Williams breathing down his neck. What are your thoughts on Javante Williams? I feel like this – I'll put it this way. I, I have not been excited to get Javante Williams. I have not been going out of my way to put him on my teams in the leagues that have been drafting uh, today. And I feel like part of that is because I know what Melvin Gordon is and I know he's going to be a problem. Um, and he kind yeah. of always is a problem for guys. And I want I want return on investment this year if I'm going to take a running back in the first round. And I feel like he's – you know not going to get that but what are your thoughts on javante williams draft capital you're willing to spend on him and just kind of overall you know trajectory uh so i mean i thought javante was like a decent prospect right i think i think the hype got a little bit too much when people started coming out and saying he's like the top running back or like you know he's he's better than etn he's better than Najee and all that stuff i wasn't really there uh, but, you know, he's young. He, he shows some good traits in terms of his ability to break tackles. You know, so there's no surprise why PFF loves him. That's like their mold, just like, you know, somewhat athletic, like really tackle breaking college guy uh, that can catch passes. I mean, that's that's the recipe. Right. So and it's no surprise that a lot of people follow that because a lot of people follow PFF. Right. Uh, but for me, I think the hype got a little bit out of control. I was fine with them. I had him as my running back three. I had him in a group with Etienne. I still prefer Etienne just because of what we've seen from Etienne so far in his career. Um, but uh, after the landing spot, like I like the draft capital. But again, you, you go back. I go back and I care about the teams they land on because it shows me how how good of a decision maker they are. And Denver clearly cannot make decisions at all, right? You got you pass on a quarterback and decide to rock Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater for another year. And then you trade it up in the second round to draft the running back. I mean, those are those yeah. are just like two of the you know one of the couple of the worst decisions I saw in the draft. And I was I was floored that they didn't draft a quarterback. So now you got a Drew Lock led offense again, running it back with a you know mediocre O line, right? And then on top of that, you got Melvin Gordon. And the tr- the problem with landing on the team with Melvin Gordon is Melvin Gordon's if proficient enough in the receiving game and proficient enough on the goal line for you to not really have any comfort of what this role for this running back is going to be. Like he's going to come in and, and be Philip Lindsay. Like that, that's a, that's an outcome where he just goes in on first and second downs and catches a couple of passes and then bounces on, on the goal line. Right. Or does he go in and get goal line work? Do they go 50, 50 split on the goal line? Like as long as Melvin Gordon's there, like he's going to be a thorn in the side of every single fantasy manager. And I just don't, I don't think people are really coming to terms with that. Like, I mean, you see a lot of stuff where it's like, dude, I don't care. Like, talent's going to win out here. Javante is going to, you know, win out and, and then put, put Melvin Gordon on the on the back. And, you know, that might happen. Sure. Yeah, it, that, that's definitely, you know, within the realm of possibility. But I'm not personally betting on it. I think, you know, what's more likely is that uh, Javante goes out there and puts up, like, uh, poor man's David Montgomery from year one. And then a year from now, we're not that excited. And you know you're gonna you're gonna get him. You're gonna basically get the David Montgomery treatment because I mean, honestly speaking, he's he's a, he's a David Montgomery. Like I compared this class, this class is very similar to twenty uh twenty eight twenty nineteen yeah twenty nineteen yeah. where you have like Singletary Sanders. Yeah, you have like a film lover, Najee Harris. Every every film person thinks he's a god, right? And, but he's got holes from the analytical side because of his age, because of his senior declare, because of all the stuff. And then you got a pretty athletic. Uh, analytics darling that has some film questions and Travis Etienne, right? Uh, and then you got the the PFF mold 
you know, semi-athletic uh, guy that breaks a lot of tackles and catches passes in David Montgomery and Javante Williams. Now, I think Javante Williams is a little bit more athletic than David Montgomery, but not by that much, right? That they're both tackle-breaking machines that catch passes. And and then after that, you have a wasteland of running back. So, you know, it's very, very similar to that class. So when I look at Javante and I look at the landing spot, I'm, like, not excited. And, like, I understand, like, the thought process of, like, oh, talent wins out and, you know, always been on talent. I think there's varying degrees to that. I think running back, because of the methodology and concept and belief that running backs do matter less and are, are heavily reliant on other factors, um, I think you have to take landing spot. And one of those other factors, landing spot, right, it captures a lot, of, a lot of those things. So I tend to weigh that a little bit more for the running back position than for a wide receiver, for example. Yeah, and I mean, that makes sense, especially, you know, we started these conversations off, you know, quickly addressing the teams these guys are attached to, you know, running backs, a good portion of their points, the good ones, they know their points come from touchdowns, you know, how much touchdown equity is available on the Denver Broncos, how much touchdown equity is really available on, you know, this rookie quarterback, rookie NFL head coach led Jacksonville Jaguars. So you definitely have to take that stuff, like you said, factor in landing spot, you can be the best guy in the world you know, David Montgomery, you know, but if you land on <clears throat> Chicago led by Mitchell Trubisky, you know, and guys who can't get out of their own way, you're just, you're just going to look like you're running in, in sand because I mean, you're playing in sand, you know, you're mm-hmm. playing with guys that are playing in sand. So, um, all right, we are quickly going to take a break and then we're going to come back and talk about the guy that I think we're going to have the most fun talking about. And that's going to be Trey Sermon. So right back. What's good, IDP Army? It's Jordan Reigns, and quickly I want to tell you guys today about the big project I've been working on, the Ultimate IDP Index. The Ultimate IDP Index is the number one resource for IDP fantasy football players, rookies or veterans for 2021. Inside, you're going to find contract information, tiered IDP rankings, detailed player production profiles going back to 2017, suggested trade values, and a whole lot more, including unique write-ups, unique videos that will only be available within the Ultimate IDP Index. But to me, probably the most valuable thing is the fact that the trade value estimation tool is going to be updated weekly, so you'll always be aware of what a player is worth in your Dynasty League at any given moment. So, what are you waiting for? Sign up for the IDP Army Patreon today. Patreon.com forward slash the IDP Army. Join the Black Ops tier and join the IDP Army today. We're back. IDP Army, you know what to do. Go sign up for the Patreon. Mike's got a dope-ass Patreon, too. Patreon back forward slash our pack, right? Yep, that's yep. it. Go get on Mike's Patreon, guys. Mike's the smartest guy in the biz besides, you know, well, he just top, he's cream the crop, baby. <laughs> he's take, he going to war with people on Twitter. Mike, just, let's take a break from the fantasy stuff. That's one of the reasons I like you is because you're, you're a pragmatic guy. I mean, you kind of just cut through the bullshit. You know, I was, I've been thinking a lot today about the difference between, you know, assholes and douchebags. And there's a big difference. You know, assholes are good guys, you know, yeah. douchebags suck, you know. And so yeah. some people can't tell the difference. You know, other, you know, and I recognize you as, you know, someone who's like me and I respect you. I love you. Um, you know, like you said, one of the first times I ever remember interacting with you was we were 
going at it. But it was like, I was not offended. I was not upset because of the way that you took what I was saying and you could spit it right back to me. And I was like, all right, this guy can hang like, you know, and it was just like, now we, I know I, I've seen you. Like, I know you, can, <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know you're real with this shit. So I appreciate you guys go support Mike, you know, support me. We're not corporate, you know, we're not corporate yet. You know, we might be, big someday, but you know, <laughs> yeah, you guys get corporate. on the ground floor. You know, this is, this is ETH, you know, this is 2015 right here. This is 2015 fantasy football. Get in early. Okay. And then, you know, when 2020 rolls around in 2025, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have been here for it. Okay. And don't cash out. Just hodl. Hodl <laughs> with us till you die. Fantasy football world. We got your back. All right. So let's talk Trey Sermon. Okay. This guy, um, oh, who, who had him number one overall? Um, Matt one Waldman. The, there you go. Bingo. Matt Waldman, number one overall. Uh, that kind of blew my mind, but I, I, he's a trusted guy. I respect his opinion, so I definitely weighed that in to this. He goes to Kyle Shanahan's offense. He gets third round draft capital, right? Yeah, that's not back great. In the third, not the not the best in the world, but he ends up in a team that is known to play with committees. Okay, and that's probably the best committee you can land on in the NFL. Um, this team is on the up and up. We got two awesome wide receivers. We have George Kittle. Jimmy Garoppolo's, you know, bumming ass is getting the hell out of here. We got Trey Lance coming in, who you know is going one, one, two, or three in all of your drafts right now, because we all know what this is all about. Okay, he's going somewhere that's going to have touchdown equity. He's going somewhere that knows going to how to use him. So, Mike, I saw you just not even two hours ago on Twitter though, saying, uh, "Hey, I'm going to read it." This is an exact quote from Mike. It says, "We've come full circle, reaching to the late first for questionable running backs again," and I am laughing in the second round picks that i'm sitting on so you are not a trey sermon in the late first guy explain mm -hmm. to the peoples why that is and why this may be a landmine after i just blew his ass up yeah i just uh i'm never someone that elevates running like mediocre running backs not, not sorry not to say mediocre running backs we don't know they haven't played but mediocre profiles uh from you know pre-draft where i had him which is like a late second maybe uh, to the first round that'll never happen because there's there's so many wide receivers in between that he has to leap that also have really good profiles and then ended up getting the draft capital that i expected them to or wanted them to so there'd be no reason for me to do that and and this is like the trap like every single year because what ha here's what happens right you get in your draft right you're sitting there with a the late first the running backs fly off the board right and then you're sitting there you're like shit i don't have running backs so what do i do all right let me get the next best guy and, and then you got Rondell Moore, you got Rashad Bateman, you got Elijah Moore, you got all of these guys who are potential studs that are just sitting there in the second round. And people are like, nope, let me get Keyshawn Vaughn. Let me get Devin Singletary. Let me get AJ Dillon. Let me get, let me get all these guys that you're probably going to drop in two to three years. And it's just a bad, it's a bad decision in my opinion. Like I've, I've nothing against Trey Sermon. I think, I think it could be good. When I, when he got drafted, I said, Hey, look, that's the best spot he could be in because that, that committee is not the same as another committee because that committee is going to run the ball like 450, 500 times. So, you know, there's a lot more pie to eat. And, you know, I, I'm not a film grinder. I'm a, Well, I'm a pro scout. I'm not a film grinder per se. Yeah, that's all scout. your profile says. says yeah, you're a pro scout. Says I'm a pro scout. So I'm a pro <laughs> scout. But, you know, and, you know, I'll defer to Matt Waldman and, and, and all the other all the other film film grinders out there in terms of what he what he brings to the table there. But it just it just I just cannot fathom passing up on like first round second round wide receivers who have really good profiles for a running back that has it's i mean he might be good but there's a lot of holes in his in his uh in his resume right like you know he couldn't really outproduce a lot of his teammates at oklahoma he like he had like one year a couple games of flashes in his senior year like these are not 
and he's not like he's not like hyper athletic. He's not like a he's not like a Jonathan Taylor that's gonna like blow your socks off. He's he's got some athleticism. I mean, honestly, I think a lot of what's happening with Trey Sermon is just like propped up by his size because it's like, yo, this is another 215 pound running back that has prototypical size. And you know, maybe, maybe he'll be a three down workhorse back. And you know what? Maybe he will be. Maybe he will be, right? But for every Trey Sermon, you you, you gotta know. That there is a Devin Singletary and Keyshawn Vaughn out there waiting. I'm not saying he is Keyshawn Vaughn. I think he's, he's better than Keyshawn Vaughn, but I'm not willing to make that bet when I have guys like Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, and et cetera available. <clears throat> so there's there's no way I can fit him into the first round of a super flex draft. I would have to bend over literally 360 with my head up my ass in order to do that, and I can't <clears throat> do it. Fair, fair. What about uh, Terrence Marshall? Terrence Marshall, dude. So. Before the draft, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm like, I'm in on this guy because I, I, it makes sense, like, why he produced the way that he did. Uh, but like, then I got a few red flags. So the first red flag uh, was uh, Ethan Turner. Shout out to him uh, on Twitter. He's a PT guy. Uh, like, doc, not, I don't know. Are, those, are they doctors? I don't know. Whatever. He's a PT he's guy. A doctor of physical therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah whatever. So, so he's a doctor of physical something, and but he knows what he's talking about, and. You know, he he said that Terrace Marshall had probably the highest risk injury risk of everyone out of anyone in this rookie class. So that was scary to me, right? But that was one data point. I'm like, all right, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna totally bomb him because of one data point. But then we get to the NFL draft, and all leading up to the NFL draft for like two months, what do we hear? Terrace Marshall's first round dra- wide receiver. Terrace Marshall's going in the first round, and then he falls all the way to the bottom of the second, and that's the second data point that tells me. The only, honestly, the only reason I can think of that, the reason why that happened, because think about the guy that went ahead of him. Kadarius Tony, mind-boggling, obviously. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge, mind-boggling, right? Makes no sense. Uh, and these guys all went ahead of Terrence Marshall. So the only thing I can, I can think of rationally is his medicals must have been brutal, right? Like, there must be something on the medical side. The team's like, eh, like, we cannot, we cannot afford to to like give up first round draft capital or even early second round draft capital for this guy so for me that's concerning because i i don't i don't really think of players as injury prone but he has a very long history of injuries that do tend to repeat so that's a really high risk so but you know in the late second mid second um i'll fire that off because at that point i'm, I'm chasing upside but i can't really justify taking him in the first round all right, so if you're in the second round, let's say you're two, three, and Bateman's gone, Rondell's gone, uh, Elijah Moore's gone, Terrence Mitchell and Trey Sermon are the two "quote unquote" best guys available. Who are you going to yeah. take? That's a close one. Um, I'm probably I literally go Terrence I'm Marshall. Low. Terrence Marshall. Okay. Yeah, because I just like I said, I just Terrence Marshall still has a decent profile as a wide receiver. Uh, but you can make the kids trace sermon. Like I think, I think literally, like once you once you get out of the top fourteen, top fifteen players, like everybody's got some holes, right? So you gotta like take your pick uh, of which holes you want to see. Personally, I just I find it's always it, it's been more fruitful to bet on wide receivers in that range because because you're getting you're, you you te- you tend to get like wide receivers that are first round talents in that range because people are reaching in the first round. So that's like my thought process. Like for today, literally today, one of my leagues, someone drafted Michael Carter in the first round. Right. And Jalen Waddle on the board, Devonta Smith on the board, Rashad Bateman on the board. I'm just like, dude, he, people are drafting a fourth round running back over wide receiver. And that, that isn't just my league. Multiple people oh, posted yeah. on Twitter saying Michael Carter is jumping to the first round. And look, I get it. He's got great vision, but you know, vision only takes you so far in the NFL. 
you still need draft capital and opportunity. And, and you know, we can point to the Aaron Jones, but again, for every Aaron Jones, we have another 10 guys that we dropped off our roster. So to me, for me, that's just the process I follow. I'm always looking for top end wide receivers in the late first. If you want to reach, if you want to reach anywhere, like we talked about earlier, reach, reach up top. Yeah, reach up top for Najee Harris. Reach up top for a Travis Etienne. Reach up top for even a Javante Williams, even though I don't like him as much. But like, reach up top for one of those guys so you don't have to reach in the second and you can get a good wide receiver that has the opportunity to ascend in value. You know, we've seen it year and year, year in and year out, like Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, right? Like all these guys that you get in the late first, early second, you cannot pass those guys up for a questionable running back. And that's just my mantra of drafting and rookies. Yeah, I love that. There you go, IDP Armor. There's something you can take and apply immediately. You know, if you're going to reach for a running back, do it on the top end of your drafts. Don't do it with those late first. Don't do it with those high seconds. That's where you're going to get, like you said, the T. Higgins is, the Justin Jeffersons, the, you know, knock on wood, the Brian Edwards is, LaVisca Chenaults. You know, those guys are all second round picks from last year. That's where you're going to find your Elijah Moores, your Rondale Moores this year. So don't don't be shy to, uh, you know, just take some of those wide receivers that maybe aren't at the very tippy tip top of everybody's boards because you're getting talent. And the only reason they dropped is because somebody else was ahead of them, you know, just as in, in the narrative or whatever the boards were set up as. So uh, I love that tidbit. So, all right, Trey Sermon, he's worth a second. Not a first, guys. Okay, don't go spend a first on Trey Sermon. That's pretty much what I'm taking away here. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about some guys that are already in the NFL really quickly before we get you out of here. Um, I have a couple of polarizing running backs. I just wanted to get your quote unquote takes on. Um, let's just start with Joe Mixon. He's always he's he's a lightning rod of conversation and contention. Um, talk to me. What are your thoughts on Joe Mixon? How do you feel about Joe Mixon? Do you have him on a lot of dynasty rosters? Do you kind of avoid him or what, 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 are, you, what are you, what are you thinking about him going into 2021 as well? I'm ready to be heard again by Joe Mixon. I'm ready. Bring it on. Uh, I, I, every year I'm like, ah, I'm going to quit Joe Mixon this year. And then, you know, by draft season, I'm like, nah, I've talked myself back into it. And the way I got there this year was, well, first of all, Joe Bernard got cut, but you know, last year before he got hurt, we finally started seeing him getting involvement in the passing game. He's getting like, you know, four, like four targets a game, I think, during that stretch. And, you know, his scoring was very erratic, but I was paying attention to targets because that was the, that was my only question for Joe Mixon. Like, when are they going to involve this dude in the receiving game? Because he, he is a very top end receiver coming out of Oklahoma. That was one of his best traits. And for some reason, they just never use him. They want to use Joe Bernard, who was a Jag. Uh, I, don't, I don't care what anyone says. He was not better at Joe Mixon in the receiving game. It made absolutely zero sense. Uh, so now, I'm hoping that this is a year that they, they can kind of do that. And, it, you know, I sound freaking irrational doing thinking about this. And, you know, the definition of insanity is like doing the same shit and hoping for a different result. Right. And that's that's kind of what I'm doing here. But like that little bit of that little slimmer of hope that I got from him uh, in, in this season is kind of enough to carry me over. And then them dropping Bernard was kind of the cherry on top. And the coach came out and said he never wants Joe Mix to come off the field. Now, I'll believe it when I see it. But I think the the, the beauty is like you're not you're not really paying like first round, second round draft cap for Joe Mixon. He's falling like a third round, you know, sometimes fourth round. And, and at that time, at that price, like, you know, you can't really pass that up because he's still, even if it doesn't work out in the dream scenario that I'm thinking of, he's still getting 300 touches. You're not buying 300 touches at, like that late in the draft from anyone else with that level of talent. So I'm very, very much in on Joe Mixon. I already have him on a lot of my rosters. I've been a Joe Mixon stand, like I said, been hurt, hurt and hurt again many times. Uh, so I'm just going to keep carrying my rosters. And then, you know, if I do any startups this year, 
uh, and, and he's there available that late, I'm, I'm just going to swing again and see what happens. Yeah, that's the thing with him. That's kind of why I'm I'm sort of coming in on him. He's at, at the price point now where I'll be I'm happy to take him. You know, round three, you can kind of he's kind of falling into that area because everybody's got wide receiver fever right now. Um, you know, but two years ago I remember seeing people trade up into the first and superflex to take Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like a thing that happened quite a bit. So the hype has always been around him. It's back again, but the price is finally at a point to where I think when I, I'm going to do a few more startups here in the upcoming weeks after I, you know, get through all my rookies because uh, I have left a few dynasty leagues and some of them just, you know, die. some dynasty leagues just don't last forever. They just die. People move on or people get mad or you know, things just happen. So I have a few spots to open up and I think I'm going to be investing in Joe Mixon uh, and I'm going to get him at a good price. I'm kind of like you said, you have a lot of your rosters. I have a guy like that. My guy like that is uh, Mike Evans, where I've just been getting him on all. I have him everywhere, and he's so dirt cheap right now. I'm just like, I wish I could buy him, but I've already got him on like every single team, and I'm just like, I'm getting him so many best ball drafts in like the fifth, sixth round. It's like unreal. Um, So y'all go get you some Mike Evans. But um, oh, another guy that's kind of got some contention or some question marks or some polarization around him is Cam Akers. he seems to have moved his way up into the first round of Superflex startups. I haven't seen the May, the DLF post of May's first round uh, startups, but I know last month he was a first rounder. Um, that kind of shocked me. Uh, it was similar to the situation last year when Miles Sanders was going in the first round of startups. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on Cam Akers? Do you think this is justified? Or do you think we're really projecting too much hopefulness onto him? Or, or what, are your, what are your thoughts? I mean, I've been leading the Cam Akers hype train since, uh, man, I don't know, since he was like a sophomore, probably. Uh, so I was big on him last year. And I remember having many debates on Twitter with folks who were telling me that Darrell Henderson was like an impediment. I was like, you guys are out of your mind. And it took him a while to get there because he got hurt and he's a rookie. But at the end of the season, you know, he, we kind of saw like what they want to do with the offense. So I'm all in on Cam Akers. Um, probably not at the first round draft capital. I think that's that's probably a bit too high for Superflex, uh, even for me. Uh, so if that's really what, what it takes, I, I'm probably not in on that price. But what I find with these mock ADPs, most of the time they're not really accurate at all. So um, when you get into like real real life scenarios and real ADPs, like you're going to see a lot a lot of um, a lot of differences. But I do think he's worth a second round startup pick, and you know wherever like Najee is going and, and some of these other top sophomore running backs is where Cam Akers should be going. So I think, I think he's a stud. Um, the only question now is similar to Joe Mixon. You know, I tweeted this last year. He's like, man, are we going to be in store for like Cam Akers, Joe Mixon 2.0 treatment where he's just like a, a massive beast on the ground, but doesn't get involvement in the receiving game. I hope not because Sean McVay had Todd Gurley and he saw what we did with Todd Gurley in the receiving game. So that's what I'm hopeful for. Uh, but I don't, I don't think you can swing in the first round, but I think a second round is kind of like, you know, where, where it's at, where all those, like a lot of those young running backs going into the second year, that's like the sweet spot of, of where to grab them in my opinion. <clears throat> yeah. Second round, I can definitely get behind. There's other guys I'd probably rather have, but I'm definitely not taking him as my like RB one. I probably even have Antonio Gibson over him. <clears throat> Personally, I need to check my, I need to do a deep dive on my offensive ranking soon. I've got some, but I haven't really, refine them recently all right before we close this show out i want to talk to you about one last guy who is kind of a contentious uh questionable running back he's a pff favorite from 2019 we're talking zach moss was it 2019 or 2020 
2020. That was last 2020. year. 2020. All right, 2020. Zach Moss. Um, great offense. Okay, the Bills did not draft a running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was injured last year. I mean, he was playable when he played. I had him in a few lineups, um, but it was never. You know, they kind of abandoned the run. The Bills did, so that kind of hurt. But what are your thoughts on him this year? Do Do you think we're going to see him utilized more? Uh, as a healthy guy and be more part of that offense and if you know and lead that backfield and you know touches carries all that good stuff or or, or how do you see this kind of shaking out between him and Devin Singletary yeah Zach Moss stinks so he kind of I mean I've never been on Zach Moss never understood why people aren't on Zach Moss I mean I understand why because again just goes to that PFF mold that people like to chase um, but for me like there was just like really nothing that excited me about Zach Moss at any point in time and then when he landed on the Buffalo Bills, I'm like, well, nice. You guys got two Jags in the backfield. They're going to play second field to Josh Allen. And what happened? That's exactly what happened. And Josh Allen is still going to be the top running back. I was surprised they didn't take any running backs, uh, honestly. I was surprised they didn't, they didn't get any of that fate. I thought Chris Carson was going to go there, um, to be honest, in the offseason. So that didn't happen. Um, Chris Carson. Yeah, but like, there's always next year, man. There's always next year they can sign freaking your boy Melvin Gordon uh, you know, when his contract's up. He'd be a good there we go. go in there and – uh, and like you know, pick up where you know Singletary and and Zach Moss failed, and that I have zero interest in Zach Moss. I have him on zero teams. Uh, I I didn't draft him last year. I'm probably not going to draft him again this year. Uh, from a dynasty perspective, like it's it's a bad. He's usually a bad bet to bet on running backs that flop in in, in year one. You know, you'll get your the occasional Le'Veon Bell for sure, right? But the, those are not necessarily the types that I'm I'm chasing. Uh, so. For me, like Zach Moss is what he always was, man. He's a he's a jag, and you know they faded the draft this year. But you're gonna be sweating bullets again the same time next year when they they have more draft capital and they can take another shot. Or you're gonna be sweating yourself again in free agency. You're gonna be sweating yourself again in the trade deadline. Like that's what happens when you draft jags on your team. And uh, typically, I don't do that. So yeah, I don't have really any interest in him. Man, that was a scorcher on the dude Zach Moss. Yeah, I'm not like big on him necessarily, but. Like I said, it's to me, it's one of those – it's the Bills' offense, you know. If he is more healthy and he is getting more carries, um, I, you know, I usually am flexing guys like, you know, Zach Moss over – you know, I don't know who I'm flexing over. Like, he's, you know, Naeem Hines. Like, just guys that you're just like, okay, there's a chance. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll definitely take him over Naeem Hines. Like, if there's anything I hate more than Jag uh, running backs, it's, it's like Jag uh, – Pass catching running backs. backs. Snapbacks, those are the worst, so – I mean, I'll definitely take him over in Naheem Hines. At least Zach Moss can have a shot at leading a leading committee. Naheem Hines will never have that. No, um, but but yeah, I mean, like to personally, like I, I don't even like. I, I get it. Like we got to consider them for deep leagues, but even for deep leagues, like I'm like shooting for upside on value. Like I'm I'm more for like shooting on guys that nece- might not necessarily have as much value as them today. But I but I like I know there's a triggering event that's coming where I'll, I'll either know that I'm going to want them or I don't want them. Like, you know, a good example of that is someone like a, like a Rashad Penny, right? Like right now his value is much less than Zach Moss, right? But, you know, a couple of weeks in the season, we're going to know what he is. Like, is he just another five, seven touch guy behind Chris Carson? Or are they going to get back to, you know, the, the, when he was healthy for those few games and become more of like a 60-40 split where he's a little bit more explosive. So I, I, I prefer to hold those types of guys, whereas like, a guy like Zach Moss, I'm just like, I like this guy is just not gonna is not gonna be it for me. So yeah, um, that's kind of my approach when it comes to these things. When it comes to like those end of bench uh roster spots, that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. 
Fair. Totally fair. And that's, you know, you got to be, I mean, it's a cold game. You know, you can't hold these guys forever and they can only help you when they can help you. And then, you know, put them on somebody else's team, let them get stuck holding that, get your picks, you know, your late picks, get your, your upside swings, get all those guys sorted out. Zach Moss is definitely a name that commands attention. I don't know if the value he has is necessarily there as Mike has represented here for us, but he definitely commands attention being the lead back on a team that is surging right now. It does have a big fan base. You know, there are, there is something to be said. There is something to be said about teams with big fan bases. Like you were talking about Michael Carter, look at the jets. I mean, they're, they're wild. You know I mean? There's a wild jets fan in every league, you know, he's not scared to take Michael Carter in the first if Zach Wilson's gone, you know, so there, there is that part of fantasy too. Zach Moss, somebody will take him off your hand. So if you have players like that that have high team equity, not necessarily high fantasy equity, you can still move them uh, for for value. So that, that's definitely a good – I guess that's a good ending point here for us. So, Mike, uh, you know, we kept it under an hour. I know you are tired. You've been grinding out for your Patreons and for your people, which I'm sure they appreciate. Guys, that's what this is. I mean, you know, it's not just shit posting on Twitter. You know, some of us are really – some of us are really doing shit out here, you know, working. Um and, have, you know, it's a good time. We learn. And that's why, you know, to people like, oh, you guys are so, you know, you, you know what you're talking about. Because you're, when you're actually digging through it over and over and over, you're just you're learning more information as that stuff stacks on top of itself. You're refining your opinion, you know, and that's why you can engage with people in a manner where you can articulate why you think something is the way it is or isn't. Um, and, you know, you, you can easily kind of vet who these people are that you know, know what they're talking about, have done the research and guys who are just kind of regurgitating or recycling, you know, the news cycle, you know, mm-hmm. we all know what podcasts come out on Monday. We all know who the big dogs are, you know, and you, we all know the narratives that are out there. It's the people that are able to digest those narratives, filter them and put them out in a different kind of fashion. That's when you really, um, Somebody put a funny comment in here. That's when you know somebody's really doing the work. You know, Moss is a tank. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. So, Mike, tell the people where to find you. And I appreciate you coming on. And then I'll close this out of here and let you get get some sleep, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Appreciate uh, always. Always appreciate good conversation with the folks in the community. Y'all can find me at uh, on Twitter at Mike Me Up with two P's. Uh, someone stole uh the one with one p, but I'm actually I'm actually grow it's growing it's been growing on me the two piece, uh so uh, you can find me on there you can find my YouTube and video content over on Bunk Bed Breakdowns part of the BDG family uh with the homie Nick Urclano the founder over there, and then uh, you can find me on Patreon uh, Patreon.com uh forward slash our pack uh, the Wolfpack Patreon got about two hundred and twenty something people in there, and it's hype right now because it's draft season so you get in there you can see all the trades that I'm doing a lot as I do them offers i send them out live you get my rankings live updates uh, on a monthly basis so yeah i mean that's kind of where i'm at right now uh so we'll we'll see where we go from there dope dope all right idp armor you know what to do go leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting <laughs> platform hit the up button on the youtubes hit the bell on the youtube subscribe like we will have another episode coming soon we're gonna be jumping back into the idp rookie rankings i think that episode will be it'll be up sometime this week so we're gonna break down the top 10 idp rookies and then next week we'll be jumping back in we'll be doing all the rankings for all the idp players we'll go linebackers we'll go defensive line we'll go defensive backs for this upcoming season to get you guys some early rankings and then we'll just keep the content rolling so yeah appreciate you coming on mike idp army appreciate y'all you know what to do so until next time i'll see y'all 